Amen. Good morning, ACC. Thank you guys for joining us wherever you are, whether you're on the patio today joining us or you are watching online. We are so, so thankful you are here. Um, before we uh, pray for today's message and jump into the, into the word, um, one of the things we like to do here, we believe church is family. And um, one of the things we like to do is when one of our family members is heading out uh, to, and doing new things and the Lord is sending them to new places, we like to pray over them and bless them. And today is a little bit unique. I should say for me, a lot unique in that the person we are sending out is my oldest son, Zeke. So um, Zeke, you want to come up here right now? Uh, we are taking Zeke to San Jose today. Um, you can drop a mask right here with me because it's just it's me. <laughs> and uh, we're taking him up to MEPS. He's going to be going uh, to boot camp for uh, the U.S. Coast Guard. They uh, will be in Jersey on September 1st. So um, as a church family and, um, and as his father, I just want to bless you and send you out. Uh, a friend from church actually sent me an email a few months back uh, with that great reminder. He said, uh, the reason we have our kids and raise our kids in the faith is to, to send them out as lights into the world. Um, Jesus pretty, pretty well says it, it says, it, says it so well when he says, you don't light a candle and put a bowl over it. You don't hide it under the bed, but you light a candle to share its light and a light to a dark world. And just that reminder um, that Zeke, you are a very bright light and the Lord has big, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna preach after this. <laughs> The Lord has very big plans for you to shine bright. That's why uh, you're going, to shine into the darkness. And so it's a privilege to not just be your father, but to be a pastor, to be able to pray this blessing over you today. So if you join me, wherever you are, to pray for my son, Zeke. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Ezekiel. And we anoint him in Jesus' name. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that is with him, that has been with him for, for his entire life. I thank you for the faith that he has proclaimed, even as a young child. And we pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would fill him, Lord, to overcapacity with the spirit of the living God, that his light would shine so, so bright in the darkness. I pray, O oh God, that you would use him mightily, Lord, wherever he goes. I pray, Lord, that, that people around him would see your love in him and through him and the power of the living God moving through his life. I pray, Lord, for favor over him in Jesus' name, that he would have favor with his peers, that he, that he would have favor with his superiors. I pray, Lord, that you would surround him with godly men and women who love you, Jesus, that would uh, bring him under their wing, and, Lord, that they, too, would be a family uh, to him in these places. I pray, God, that their lights collectively would shine so bright together that many other people will come to know you, Jesus, as Savior, as a son of the living God. I pray, Lord, that through his life, Lord, that, that many will come to know your name. And I pray, God, that he would be able to look back and not just see that he did a job well done serving our country, but he did a job well done serving your kingdom first and foremost. 
And so, God, I pray this in him, in Jesus' name. I pray protection over him, that whatever situations he finds himself in, he would always have the peace of a loving God, that his God is with him, that you would be a covering over him and around him in Jesus' mighty name. I pray once again, Lord, for provision, protection, and power. In the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus, we send him out, knowing that he has always belonged to you, in Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Love you, man. Whew. All right. <laughs> it's, um, you know, before all this hit, we would have the privilege to having a full house here. And these moments, it reminds you when you're around your, not just your family, but your church family, that there is a great cloud of witnesses cheering you on, not just here in this world, but also in heaven cheering you on. And um, we've said that from the beginning, that this place is, 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 will be ran uh, not like a business, but a family. And I want to thank you all for caring and loving my son and uh, lifting him up in your prayers and for the encouraging words that you guys have shared with Eve and I and with him and the rest of our kiddos these past few weeks as we're preparing for, for this. And I just I covet your continued prayers as, um, as he goes off and to serve our country. So it means the world to us. All right. Now, transition. We need like some transition music. We'll do the hustle, right? <laughs> uh, hey, uh, one thing coming up this Wednesday is uh, Wednesday night walk. And if you want to come and join me, I'm going to bring my, my dog, Nia. Uh, she is a wild beast that we're trying to train. And the more we can get her socialized, the better. So if you have a dog you want to bring along too and meet over at uh, 645 over at the, the trailhead at Shepherd and at Sunnyside after you drop, even if you drop your you know, teens off at Bicentennial Park, come and meet me. We're going to walk the trail. Should just be a great time catching up, hanging out. And um, uh, maybe there'll be a, 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 whole, a whole ton of us out there walking, walking with each other and with the Lord. So I um, encourage you guys to join me if you are free Wednesday night. Let's go ahead and bow our heads one more time and let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us as we dive into his words. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for what you've been saying to us these past three months, God, through this tiny little passage in Corinthians and how much this tiny little passage in Corinthians has the capacity and the potential through the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our lives in infinite unknowable ways. And God, even though this series is wrapping up today, Lord, we pray that the work of this would continue on forever, that you would continue to shape us by your word through the power of the Spirit, because this world needs you so badly right now. This world needs God's people to live as God's people in a way that is loving and kind and patient and not rude, and all the things that Paul says that love is, the world needs us to rise up and to be the church who loves in a way that Jesus has loved us. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to continue to commit ourselves to this lifelong work of learning how to love well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, next week, um, I'll be starting a new series. It is called Plan B. This series is about navigating the unexpected 
and finding ways to thrive when life doesn't go as planned. Could any of you guys have planned what has taken place the past six months? Not a chance. None of us have. So all of us are on a plan B right now. If we're realistic with ourselves, we're probably like by now on a plan G, you know, but I didn't think if we named the series Plan G, people would understand what that means. (laughs) So our plans have gone out the window. And so this is a series about how do we thrive when our plans have changed. So my hope is that you'll join us next week. We'll be live at the park at Bicentennial Park at 10 a.m. We will also be live streaming for those who are unavailable to join us. So it should be a wonderful time uh, just being together and starting a new series together. Today, though, we are finishing this long summer series called The Essentials. And if you're new to joining us today, we've been looking at what love looks like as described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. My hope is that this series has absolutely challenged you as it has me, because it has challenged me. And there's times where the temptation is to go into the easy way of loving, the default mode, instead of pushing for what it looks like to love in a biblical, authentic way, the way Christ has loved us. So if this were easy, I suppose then we would need the Holy Spirit though, right? And that's what makes this love supernatural. That's what makes this love a divine act every time we choose it instead of loving the way the world loves. As we wrap up this series today, I feel like this is a fitting conclusion to the series considering the times that we're in. When someone described the times that we're living in, they said this. They said, it feels like I've been running a marathon that I did not train for. And then once we finally came to the finish line and we crossed, thinking that the marathon was finally done, Someone from someone yelled for, to us, now grab a bike and get ready for a swim because you aren't done yet. This is actually a triathlon. See, it doesn't feel like much has settled since we began this series three months ago. Things in the world have actually only intensified. Since June, our country has experienced greater turmoil, greater threats, both natural disasters and disasters caused by man, which has led to even greater suffering and greater division. So the need for us to love in the way that Paul has just described is actually absolutely essential for a world that is in chaos right now. Because this type of love is exactly how Jesus has loved us. But if we're honest with ourselves and with each other, loving like this, it can be exhausting. I can relate to Frodo, uh, Bilbo Baggins. Sorry, I got to get my Hobbit reference correct. I can relate to Bilbo Baggins when he said this, I feel thin, sort of stretched out like butter spread over too much toast. See, when there feels like, when there feels like there's no end to this endurance race, the temptation then is to kind of back off. The temptation then is to quit to just do whatever is easier and travel the path of least resistance. But quitting then is only going to reap short-term relief. It might feel good in the moment when we choose to back off, when we choose, I can't love like this anymore. It's too costly. It's too much. It might feel good in the moment, but it's only a short-term relief. It'll, It'll not produce the good that the Holy Spirit wants to bring about in and through us, through the struggle itself. And this is why Paul wraps up in his description of love, saying that love always perseveres. Always. See, no matter how hard it gets, love keeps going. 
Love doesn't give up. It must persevere or it's actually not love. The word word translated as persevere in the Greek is hupomeno, hupomeno. It literally means remaining under the load, bearing up and enduring. So Paul is saying, remain under the load of love. That's what he's telling us. Keep going, bear up, keep moving forward. Don't give up. So the question isn't, should you? Should you keep loving and the, the hard to love? Should you keep loving even though it's costly at times? Should you love like this as an act of obedience to Jesus himself? We know that the answer is yes. The question really is more, how do we do this? How do we find the stamina to persevere in this kind of love and to remain faithful to him who called us to love others the way he first loved us? You see, our faithfulness to continue to persevere in love comes from our willingness to follow Jesus to the hard places. Remember when he called us, what did he say to us? Did he say, follow me, it's going to be easy. Follow me, you know, I'll take it easy, there'll be no problems, there'll be no challenges. This is the path to your best easy life. That's not how he called his disciples. Matthew 16, 24 says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross to follow me. Your willingness to persevere in love might be the heaviest cross that you will ever be called to carry, but it's your cross to carry. Now there's a side note here. Don't look at other people's crosses and say, man, I wish I could carry their cross. It just looks so light. If I had their cross, it would be easy to love like them. If I carried their cross, it would be easy to persevere in the faith. Well, it's easy until it isn't. So how? How can we do this? The simple answer is to just keep your eyes on Jesus and put one foot in front of the other. But listen to what Paul says earlier in chapter 9 as he likens persevering in the faith and in hope and in love to the Olympic Games. I'm going to ask Jeff, if you're outside, you can hear this point of this, to turn the speaker that's next to the window just a little bit or unplug it because I'm hearing some major feedback from there before we go on. All right, he says this, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. There are some great truths wrapped up in this analogy that Paul gives us and that'll help us to always persevere in love. The first part is he says, is run in such a way to get the prize. Now, this is pretty obvious. If you want to get the prize that's ahead of you, you actually have to be in the race and actually trying to win. Now, I can almost promise you this. I will never win the Boston Marathon. Now, why is that? Because I absolutely hate running. Therefore, I have zero intention of ever entering into the race. We tried just like a 5K. It might even been a 3K a few years ago. And by the end, I was just about dying. I knew at that moment, this is not my sport. 
But suppose somebody entered me into a race against my will and I had to run the race. I still would never win. In order to win, I would never win because I would never run in such a way to win the prize. Running with regret or or reluctance will exasperate us when things get hard. Probably by mile three of the marathon, I'd be like, what am I doing? This is the stupidest thing I've ever been forced to do in my entire life. And I would probably sit down on the curb or start to walk. See, Paul is saying, if you're going to put your faith in Jesus, if you're going to run this race, then actually live like you believe what he says. Decide that you are in or that you are out. If you're in, take your faith serious. And then when you take your faith serious, you'll actually run like you mean it. Love in a way that shows that you mean it. He says this in verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. In the same way, in order for us to persevere, you must get into spiritual shape. This only comes through discipline. I wish there was an easier way. I wish that binging Netflix, sleeping in, staying up late, I wish that there was an easy way to become spiritually disciplined, but there's just not. So this means we have to take soul care serious so that you have what it takes to keep going until the end. Grow in God's word. Spend time in prayer, building your relationship with God. Practice the spiritual disciplines. Be intentional about cultivating the fruit of the spirit in your life. Practice and use the gifts of the spirit. So let's bring this close to home right now. How are you right now staying in spiritual shape during these incredibly complicated times that we live in? What are you doing? See, our routines have been disrupted. You might have been at the the highest of highs in your walk with Jesus prior to March. Everything was working good. You were getting up in the mornings. You were having your devos with Jesus. You were having a prayer walk at night. I mean, you were just on top of the world with him. And then our routines became disrupted. Life has become infinitely more complicated, even when we don't even know what we're doing half the time. It's way easier to become spiritually undisciplined and disconnected than it is to go into the strict training that this race requires of us right now. So what do we need to do? I think we need to take a lesson from the gyms that we see around us, like the gyms that moved outdoors or the home gyms that people assembled in their garages to stay in physical shape. We might have to try to be more creative than we've ever been in order to find new routines to become in spiritual shape. So what does that mean for us? Try something different. Develop a new routine. Renew your commitment to spiritual health. Resist the path of least resistance. Now, what does Paul say? He says in the beginning, so you can run in such a way as to win the prize. If you're going to run with serious intention to win, You have to know what what you're running for. Otherwise, it just won't be worth it. This all ties back to last last week's message about hope. So what is the prize that's driving you? See, I'm convinced if any of us had a clearer vision of what the prize was ahead of us, we would run our race at any cost. The problem is we start to get our eyes off of the prize and it's easy to give up on the race. But suppose I were to say to you right now, the first person to get to church by foot will win a million dollars and the people on the patio right now are disqualified because that's too easy for them. 
What would you who are watching right now be willing to do? You would take off running, right? You would think, okay, so-and-so lives about a mile closer to me. I cannot waste any time. You'd be out the door if you saw me have a suitcase. Like, oh, million dollars. Now, what if I said, wait a second, before you leave, you have to do it barefoot in the heat. What would you do? Boom, you'd be shoeless. You would do whatever you needed to do to try to get to the church to win a million dollars. Why is that? Why would we do so much in order to win a cash prize? It's pretty clear because we have an understanding of how a million bucks would change our life. We have a clear understanding of what a million dollars would do for us. I'd I'd pay off my house. I'd pay off my cars. I'd, I'd put money aside for my kids' education. We know what we would do for it. Therefore, we have a vision of what the money can do for us, and we'd be willing to sacrifice if there was an opportunity to obtain it. So if you get clarity of the prize ahead, you'll find new perseverance to keep going, even when it's difficult even when it feels like it's impossible. Those who have clarity of the prize always find a way to get through the impossible. How do you think we got people on the moon? We must keep our eyes on the prize. See, there's a new race show on uh, Amazon Prime. It's called The World's Toughest Race. These people are risking life and limb, depriving themselves of sleep and security. You know how much money they're gonna win? Zero dollars, not a buck. (laughs) Not one dollar. And yet the people are running this race literally with everything they have for the satisfaction of finishing the race just so they can say that they did it. For bragging rights only in pride. Similar in ancient, to the ancient Olympians, there was no money involved, just a crown made of olive leaves and the fame and the glory that came along with being an Olympic champion. All of which Paul says fade so quick and yet they would be willing to torture their bodies just for a shot of something that fades away listen to what paul says he says they do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever forever and ever and ever and ever we have got to know why we are running if people will dedicate their lives for earthly prestige and treasures that fade, surely we can find a way to keep running when all of heaven, all of eternity is waiting for us. Surely we can bear the load of love in order to save a relationship, to, be, to persevere in patience with somebody a little bit longer in order to save the relationship. Surely we can continue in perseverance knowing that unlike the Olympic champions, all of us receive the victor's crown, not just one. You don't have to finish Finish this race first. You just have to finish. You just have to persevere. You just have to keep going and you never ever give up and there is an eternal crown for you in store. So what does Paul say? Verse 26. Therefore, I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Hmm. What's Paul doing? He contrasts himself with someone who looks like they're in the race, but they're not really running the race to win. This person might be present, 
but they don't know where they're going and they're not prepared for what's ahead. And Paul is saying, that is not who I want to be in this life. Unlike this person, Paul says that he knows where he's going and he knows what it's going to take. And upon this realization, who or what is Paul's greatest threat in order for him to obtain the prize? What does he say? It's not the thick-headed Corinthians that we've been learning about, even though they caused him so much heartache and so many headaches. It's not them. He doesn't say, if it wasn't just for you guys, I might win this prize. It's not them. It's not even the vicious opponents that he faced in Ephesus who threatened to kill him. Who is it? It's himself. Paul knew that it was his own self-centered, selfish self that was the only threat to disqualifying him from winning this prize that was ahead. Let's pause to think about that for a moment. Paul, who gave so much, who did so much for the kingdom, who loved so much, and not only loved so much, but literally wrote wrote the words on love, he didn't think of himself as being above being disqualified for the prize. He lived in God's grace, but he never, ever took that grace for granted. If he was simply speaking hyperbole, why train? Why become disciplined? Why make his body a slave if disqualification was not a real concern? In the next chapter, in chapter 10, 1 through 5, Paul points out that Israel, too, had their own baptism when they crossed the Red Sea. Israel, too, ate their own spiritual food in the manna from heaven and drank from the same, from a spiritual rock. And that rock was Christ, was what Paul said. And yet, he says, and most of them ended up dying in the wilderness. Most of them didn't make it to finish, to the finish line to claim their prize, which was the promised land. See, how is that? Because their own flesh betrayed them. Not the surrounding nations, themselves. See, in the same way, our flesh is an ever-constant threat to disqualifying us from the race if we will let it. Because it will always threaten our capacity to truly love others and love the world as it needs to be loved. Because it will will constantly be warring against us and sabotaging us. Once we start living purely for ourselves, we're probably not running the same race that we thought we once were. Paul's words to the Corinthians and to us is a serious one. Do whatever you need to do so that you will persevere until you cross that finish line. Do whatever you need to do. Do whatever you need to do until you are no longer called to do it. Finish each leg of your unique race with endurance until your finish line at the end comes. So how do we keep our flesh in check? By doing what Paul does. By doing what Paul did by not taking the grace that's been given to us for granted. Grace is still the answer. See, when I continually remind myself of how well Jesus has loved me, it is really, really hard to just blow it off and act as if he didn't love me this way. It's really, really hard to deprive giving to others what Jesus has given to me when I'm constantly remembering what Jesus has done for me. And what has been given to me? What has been given to you, to us? His absolute perfect love. 
I'd like us to finish by reading 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And we're going to change a word in it. We're going to swap the word love to Jesus. And listen to each word. And listen to each part of this, these verses. And tell me, is this not exactly what Paul has in mind? Does he not want us to think of the perfect love of Christ when we are thinking about how we are to love each other? Verse four, Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He's not proud. He does not dishonor others. He's not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Jesus always protects. Jesus always trusts. Jesus always hopes. Jesus always perseveres. Jesus never fails. See, remembering this, this right here will keep every single one of us in this race. When we remember what Jesus has done for us, Remembering this is absolutely necessary in order for us to continue to persevere in these crazy times. Even on days when we feel like throwing in the towel, even on days when we feel like I have nothing left to give, we go back to what Jesus has continued to do for us, to be refreshed in him. So the answer to our exhaustion is to become refreshed in the grace and love of Jesus. It's not just keep trying harder and and, and hopefully you'll find somewhere in the tank to keep going. No, the answer is to be poured back into from Jesus himself. See, some of us right now, we are desperate for this. Some of us are feeling like like we are beyond empty, like that little light on our car and our gas, like, like it has been on for a long time and there is not a gas station for miles away. Some of us, our surge capacity is overloaded and we are running on fumes. So what is the answer to keep going? Recognize where you are right now and recognize what is needed in order to keep you going, even if that means that you need to stop to catch your breath putting your hands on your knees, catching your breath, praying a prayer to Christ to pour back into you again. See, there's a reason why we've been told to keep the Sabbath holy. It's designed as a day, once a week, that we would stop and continually be poured in to by God, that the love of Christ would be poured into us to fill us up. So step back into the rhythms of God's grace as Paul did, and you will find your stride again. You will persevere. You will love the way you need to right now. And your love will never fail because God's love won't fail you. You will finish this race. I'll end with his last verse, 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. This is towards the end of Paul's life. And he realizes that he is more more than likely going to be... um, executed for his faith in Jesus by the Roman government. And he says this now, and this is years after the writing of 1 Corinthians. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
And now there's in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also all who've longed for his appearing. There's a victor's crown ahead for all of us, not just for Paul, all who finished this race. What I'd like to do right now, if you are in a place where you are feeling absolutely spiritually exhausted, wherever you are, maybe you're in your living room, maybe you're on the patio right now, maybe you're in your car listening to this later and you need to pull over, but to stop, stop for a moment, to close your eyes before the Lord, put your hands out before him to say, God, I must have you pour into me. I must be refreshed in your grace. I must be refreshed in your love if I am to take another step in this race, to get on your knees before the Lord, making your couch an altar, maybe even making the blacktop outside an altar, and to say to God, here I am, Lord. Pour into me so you can send me so that I can continue stepping forward in this race set before me that my flesh may be disciplined, that my spirit may thrive in this exhausting and complicated world, that I may be a light in the darkness, shining brightly until the day I cross that finish line and receive the victor's crown. Holy Spirit, pour into us right now. So wherever you are, make this your prayer. Holy Spirit, you see where I am. Holy Spirit, you see that I am running on fumes right now. I'm overwhelmed by the sorrow that exists in this world right now. I'm overwhelmed by the complications that our world has found itself in, the complexities, the needs. I'm overwhelmed right now, and it's freezing me up. And the temptation right now is to take the path of least resistance. The temptation for me right now, Lord, is to quit running this race because the cost to love this way in faith and hope, it's too much for me. But through the power of the living Christ who loved me and gave himself for me, we pray in Jesus' name that that resurrection power would be poured into us. We pray in Jesus' name that the spirit of the living God would refresh us once again, that we would catch our breath, we would catch our soul, so that we continue to find our stride again, that we would do the things that we need to do as an athlete who prepares for the race, that we would do the things we need to do for this next leg in order to run this next leg of our race well, to become disciplined again, to find new routines again. Most importantly, Jesus, to find fellowship with you again. be connected to our church family again. We call on your name, O God, knowing that you hear us, knowing that in the same way Paul, who crossed his finish line and received a victor's crown, by faith we believe that each and every one of us who are making this our prayer today, we too will also cross that finish line. Keep our eyes on the prize, Jesus, which is you. In your mighty, wonderful, and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. ACC, now let's not stop here.
Let's turn our eyes and our hearts towards heaven and let's praise our Jesus together.